that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? If you'll remember with me last week, we looked at the parable of the four soils. Of course, the soils, uh, later Jesus tells them, what they were, it's the heart, the sower sows the word of God, and the good heart is the one that bears fruit. You and I want to have the good heart, the heart that is surrendered to God, the heart that is being prepared by God and turned over by God and looking to God. We want to have the good heart. We don't want to have a bad heart. There was three kinds of bad hearts. If you'll remember, three types of soil, and it's all the world, the flesh, and Satan that are our three enemies. There was the wayside heart where the seed just fell beside the wayside, and the bird or Satan come and devours it. That's the heart that comes to church and listens to the Word of God and goes out and does absolutely nothing with it. You don't look to obey it. You don't look to apply it. You're not looking to receive it. Satan steals it. Then there was the heart that fell on stony ground. And immediately it springs up, but since there's no depth of earth on it, it has no root. So when there's persecution, when somebody says, oh, you stinking Christian... Since there's no root down deep, the persecution and affliction that comes, you instantly run from God and His Word. It's a heart that doesn't remain. And then, of course, the third one with the seed that fell among thorns. And again, thorns are like a curse. It grew up and choked it out, and it yielded no crop. And, and, you know, Jesus explains this. Remember, a parable is a simile. A parable is parabola. It's the word parabola. Para, one that comes alongside, something that comes alongside bola, something that's thrown down. And so he gives a story that's thrown down alongside a spiritual truth so that you can understand if you draw near. But it was partially grace, and it was partially, uh, partially to get people to come deeper with God. And you'll see it in today's text. It's something laid alongside to help you understand a spiritual truth. But at the same time, he's speaking to this large crowd of people. And some of them aren't ready to hear truth. Some of them are not his disciples. And so he gives them grace until their heart is ready to hear truth. He doesn't harden their heart by them going, I reject that. So that later the disciples go alone with him and they say, what did it mean? See, so you're digging deeper. You're saying, what does that mean? And he explains to you clearly what it means. And then you get it. 
You understand it better. And then you bear fruit, some 60, or excuse me, some 30, some 60, some 100. But listen, the thorns, I mean, the world, the cares of this world, entertainment, music, bills, jobs, all of these things, any of these things that you put before God pollute your heart. Again, the world, the flesh, and Satan are our three enemies. Notice that the flesh is really the thorns. It's the things that you put all the cares of this life first. The world is the affliction where the world causes you affliction or or attacks you, and then you walk away from God. But the stony hard ground where the birds of the air and the flesh is just you said no to God. You don't want to hear it. You might be sitting in church. We're going to see that today in the text. This happens. And could be of a heart that's not receiving the word of God. The good ground will always produce fruit. You cannot restrain the power of God, the word of God, the truth of God, when it meets the the science of God. Think about it. It's the science. It's true science. That we don't even understand the full mystery of the science of God. That when a seed goes into the ground, we call it germination and it dies. Then it's going to produce fruit. We don't even fully understand that. But I know you went to school and they told you they understood it completely. But they really don't know the works of God completely. They will tell you they do so that you'll believe them as opposed to God's word. You'll go back to them. But they really don't understand what God does to make a seed grow. You know, when you see a giant oak, so I love this analogy. When you see a giant oak, do you know what grew that? A little bitty acorn. God grew that from a little bitty acorn. It's God's science. And I want you to know you want to believe God's science long before you believe the world's science because they take their science and they twist it to make their ideology work. And they teach you lies. And their science will not stand up to God's word because their science is based on lies. It's based on lies. And we don't want to hear this. We want to say, no, no, that means everything that I'm looking at is a lie. Yes, I know you're of God, but the whole world lies underneath the sway of the wicked one. We're behind enemy lines, and he fights with lies. He wants us to believe his lies. He wants us to follow his lies. He wants us to be deceived and not follow the truth. Truth is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth is a person. Truth is a person. And the devil always wants to interrupt truth. And if he can do it, he'll do it any way he can. Because he doesn't want you to hear truth. And when you hear truth, listen to me. True faith is an active faith. When you receive truth, then the The devil wants you to do nothing with it. But the Bible calls you to be responsible with that truth. And that's where you come into chapter 4, verse 21. And he says, also he said to them, Is a lamp brought to put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? In other words, when you receive the light of the world and your light is lit, your candle is burning, 
Your candle is lit because now you know the truth about the Word of God because you received it from the light of the world. Matthew says, now that we become the light of the world because we're His representatives, now you're responsible to go out and share that light. If you receive the light of Christ and you don't go share it, what happens? It means you've hidden it underneath the peck bush. It means you've hidden it underneath the bed. And it doesn't shine brighter. It gets dimmer. Because if you don't use it, it's going to die. It'll go out. But when you see the light, you put it on a lampstand and you say, I am in the light. I'm having fellowship with the light. And I want to tell you about the light. Because you have to be responsible. Active faith is true faith. Inactive faith is not real faith. Then he says, For nothing is hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. Listen, he wants to tell you everything so you can share it. You can't hide it. Now, I know that people have applied this in different ways, but when God reveals truth, he reveals it to his friends, the secret things, and then you have a responsibility. He wants you to share it with others. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. How does faith come? By hearing. Hearing what? The Word of God. It's seeing the light. And if you have ears to hear, hear this, that it's not to be kept inside. If you keep it inside, it becomes one of the hearts that is not the good heart. Light is supposed to be reflected just as, listen, the moon looks like it's alive. But it's a dead planet. And what's it doing? It's reflecting the light of the sun. It's reflecting the true light. This is an old analogy, but it's still the same analogy. We are people who are dead to self, alive to Christ. We're crucified with Christ. And so when we get the light, we're supposed to reflect it to others so that they can have a chance for their conscience to be struck with light, with truth, with the Word of God, and they can decide themselves which heart they want to be. So important that we understand that we do not go to church, we do not have a relationship with God just for ourselves. We have a responsibility to be a witness for God and to tell others this is a day of equipping. This is a time of equipping the saint for what? The work of the ministry. What's the ministry? To get the truth out so that others can come to salvation. That's the only ministry there is in the church is salvation of souls. So when you receive the light and you hide the light, there's no way to have a good heart because you didn't own the light. God's children own the light. Their faith becomes active. And listen, he's going to show us here in a minute in, in the rest of these parables that, that active faith becomes a growing faith that has rest. It has peace. It becomes a good heart. It's not something that you just automatically have. Positionally, you can have it, but practically, you're growing yourself to have a good heart that becomes a mature heart. And then you're standing ready for the harvest we're going to see in a minute. You're waiting for the sickle to be put in because you've got peace. You've got rest. But while you're waiting for the sickle to be put in, you're still about the Lord's business. You're still about sowing the seed.
He says in 24, then he said to them, take heed what you hear. See, you're responsible for what you hear. You've got to test what you hear. When you hear stuff, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, you've got to cast it out. Because if you hear lies, you'll spread lies. If you hear deception, you'll spread deception. So you have to take heed. Be watchful in what you hear. With the same measure you use, it would be measured to you. And to you who hear, more, to you, and to you who hear more will be given. So if you measure it out, you meet it out, you hear it, you receive the light, you tell others of the light, then you'll get more light. But if you hide the light, you're not going to get more light. It's your responsibility in your faith to deal with the truth that you hear and to use it for the glory of God. But if you don't, for whoever has to him, more will be given. See, that's what he's talking about. You're going to get more if you use it. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away. See, God gives us a mustard seed of faith. And if you don't use that mustard seed of faith, you lose it. If you don't grow it, it dies. You have to exercise your faith with obedience. Now, our today's text begins in 26, and we'll read. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crops by itself, first the blade, then the head, after uh, that the full grain in the head. But when the grain ripens, immediately he puts the sickle, because the harvest has come. Then he said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God, or what, with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground, is smaller than all seeds on the earth. And when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all herbs, and shoots out large branches, so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them, as they were able to hear it. But without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took, with him, took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that they were, it was already a filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let us pray. Father, we pray that there would be no more interruptions from the devil and that silence would be from you. That our hearts would be ready, good hearts, that would receive with meekness the implanted word to grow us up in the most holy of faith. Thank you, Lord, that you want to grow us up and mature us so that we will know how to use your word rightly how to divide it properly so that we can help equip others and disciple them. For that is the command you've given us, Lord, not to go make believers. That's your job. We are called to go make disciples, to train them, to obey you, teach them to obey you. Thank you that you're with us. 
always, even to the end of the age. Bless our time now in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we're here, verse 26. This parable in 26 is only in the book of Mark. It's not in the other Gospels. It's used exclusively here by John Mark. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground and should sleep by night and rise by day, and the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, after that the full grown in the full grain in the head, but when the grain ripens, immediately he puts a sickle puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Again, it's slow, it's continuing, it's abiding, there's a process going on when the seed, the kingdom of God, is as if a man should scatter. Now, I like the King James better because the word is really cast. Cast, it means to throw. It means to throw down. Listen, scatter sounds haphazard, doesn't it? To me, it does. That's not a good word that I would like to use, just to scatter seed. You're supposed to cast the seed. You're supposed to know what you're doing with it, handling it properly, dealing with it. And when you cast this seed, not scatter, you're doing your part. See, the light has been given, and you can look at this in two different ways, this parable here. Remember, it's a, a, a story laid alongside spiritual truth that people in the back might not understand it. People in different places in their life might not get it. Even as a Christian, as you're growing, you might not get one part, and that's why we teach the way we teach. You might be at one place in your maturity, and somebody else is at a different place. So they might get one thing. It's living and active. They might get one thing at their immature level, but at a mature level, you get something entirely different that God wants to speak to you about. That's why it's called living and active Word of God. Because he's speaking to all of us. And so this could actually be a parable about the whole kingdom of God. But it can also be a parable about your life individually in the kingdom of God. You've received light. It's been cast out and you've got it. And now slowly it's going to grow. And what are you doing? You're doing the natural while God's doing the supernatural that you don't even fully understand. You go ahead and go to sleep at night, you get up in the day, you go to work, but you're still dwelling on the Word of God that's been sown in your heart, and you start to grow, and, and it grows to maturity, and, and it becomes a full grain. But you don't know how it's doing it. It's the Spirit of God growing the Word of God in your life. But He's preparing you for tomorrow as He does it. He's maturing you for the gifting that He's given you, for the work of the ministry that He's given you as He does it. And the same thing is going on with the whole body of Christ as we put our pieces together. He's growing it up. It's yielding until the harvest would come, until it's time for Him to put the sickle in and the angels will come and separate the sheep from the goat. That's the full kingdom of God. But in your life, you stand ready, mature, to continue to do the work of the ministry until the day that He takes you home or until the day of harvest. But the fruit is ready to be harvested. The harvest to come. It's interesting when you start looking at this, uh, and, and, and I can tell you that you'll never really get 
everything from me that I learn as I go through it because God's speaking to my heart. God's growing my heart. And now he's wanting to grow your heart. And it, it takes your investigation. It takes you being a Berean. It takes you getting into the Word and spending time alone with God. We're going to see that in a minute. But as I'm looking at these words, I'm like, oh, my goodness. He says, and, and, and 20 years ago, I would have never done this. You know, 15 years ago, I would have never looked at these the same way. Because I was at a different place in my yield, in my growth. Slowly, as God is training and teaching us, we grow at different stages. But like the word here, right here for ripens, it means to brought forth is what the King James says. And it's parodidomai. Parodidomai, which is para, again, alongside. It's so amazing. And didomai is... Uh, listen, parodidomai is a word that you, you would never... It, You'd never think it was being used about fruit. Because it's a word that means to surrender and to yield to God. It's a word that means that they use when you're a prisoner. Listen to me. You would never think it would be a word that means brought forth fruit when you ripen. But it takes these stages. First, you have to surrender and commit to God and cast the seed of God. It, it actually means to put in prison. But it can also be translated to bring forth or yield up. But these are the stages of growth. First, you have to surrender. Listen, listen. You have to commit to what you're surrendering now. You started surrendering. Oh, and then you start to surrender and you back up. No, no, no. You keep surrendering. You commit. And then you start casting. All these words are inside a paradidomai. And then you start putting the lie in prison. You don't want to let it bother you. And then you're building yield the whole time. You're producing fruit. And it's bringing forth maturity is what it's doing as you follow it. But the paradidomai is such a, a powerful word. But it's not just that one. It's all of the Greek language. And it's all of God's wisdom. It's so deep you can trace it back. It blows me away. And then... And, and then the harvest has come, is what it says, because the parodidomai, he's going to put the sickle in, and then now harvest had come, and this is the word parohistomai, parahistomai. Again, the word para alongside, which is parable. While you're doing it, it's alongside histomai. Guess what that word is? I'm like, my goodness, kick him in. It, it drives you crazy. It's the word that we see in Ephesians 6 for stand. So while you're, while you're surrendering, while you're committing, while you're casting seed, while you're putting the lie in prison and you're bringing forth maturity, you're standing the whole time. It's alongside your stand. And that's when it comes. That's when the harvest comes. You're ready for it. See, when you get this rest and this peace that surpasses all understanding, it's because you're beginning to mature. You're placing your faith in God. It's growing in God. And you're ready for the harvest, but you know that... Uh, Live is Christ and to die is gain. You have that maturity level where you know that if you're going to still be here, you want to tell others of the light that you have received. You want to be involved in the life of others. But if you leave, it's going to be gain because you're going to see what you have faith in. You're going to see the Son of God face to face. But I'm just blown away by these words, perohistomai. It means to stand. It means to be ready. It means to have maturity, and you're ready for that harvest. And that's what he's talking about here. But listen, because he's going to go into it about how the birds of the air come. So you have these soils, four types of soil. 
And the one that we want to have is the good heart that's receiving the Word of God, surrendering to the Word of God, committing to the Word of God, casting the, what we get out and bringing forth yield to maturity. That's what we're looking for. We don't stay babies. Listen, when you get saved, you desire the pure milk of the Word. But when we see a 20-year-old person still on the nipple, still taking baby food, we know there's a bad problem. Every child wants to walk. You see them. They crawl and they're trying to get up. They look around and they see what other people are doing and they're like, I want to go run and play with those three-year-olds. I want to get up. And they fall down and they bump and they bump. It's a parable of life of the spiritual person. Not, not spiritual life is like physical life. No, physical life is a living parable of what the real life is, the spirit life that we're supposed to be living in. So it's amazing. It's powerful when we just stop and look at God's science and stop listening to man and their lying science that's underneath the sway of the wicked one, we begin to see that it all works. It all follows His natural physical that He's created, but that's all a parable. It's a living example of what truth is and the spirit life with God. And we don't want to be handicapped but God also allows people to be handicapped as a parable because he can use handicapped people. He can use you where you're at. You don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer to shine the light that you have to other people. You don't have to be the next Billy Graham to tell people that Jesus died and yea, rose again. Those are not the qualifications for growing fruit. What is? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Surrender, commit, and cast, and he'll bring forth the fruit. That's what he just said. Obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is what he's called us to. And I love the fact that if you just have an obedient heart turned toward him, part of obedience is confessing when you stumble. Not an excuse for stumbling, but the great bar of soap that allows the Word of God and the Spirit of God to cleanse you when you confess it. So, stand. That's the harvest. We, we, we're, we're standing and we're helping others because the grain is ripening and it's ripening. And we don't know how it's going on. We don't know how that crop is really being yielded. But God does, and we can trust him in it. Verse 30, then he said, to what shall we liken, notice liken, in verse 26, it was is as if a man scattered or cast seed. Here it is likened, the kingdom of God. Let me see if I can explain this. The kingdom of God is everything. We've got to understand this because sometimes it's kingdom of heaven, sometimes it's kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is everything. God owns everything. His, God's kingdom, He rules and reigns over everything. All right? It's all His kingdom. What is the kingdom? It's where the king reigns at. So the kingdom of heaven is like just a little part of the kingdom of God. Everything belongs to God. It's kind of like we're in Indiana, uh, but we're in Williamsport. Right? 
So Indiana would be the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of heaven would be like Williamsport. So he owns everything. But the kingdom of God is likened. It's a parable. It's a simile. He tells us in the language that you can't make it hard fast, but it tells you of what it's like. Or with what parable shall we picture it? Now listen to me, because the King James says, uh, uh, what comparison shall we compare it with? But it's still the word parabello. I don't know why they changed it like that when it's a parable. It means parable. Which is, uh, bello is to throw and uh, para is alongside. It's a word picture that you hear with your heart and you see with your spirit. You see by faith. Thrown alongside. Let me, let, me, let me do this again as a side note. Let me give you a side note. Let me give you something that, that will help you also at the same time. The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. God is a spirit. That We are in spirit. We're, we're, we're walking in the spirit so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. As many as are led by the spirit, these are the sons of God. The Bible can only be discerned by the spirit of God teaching you and leading you. So listen, again, the world science. Listen again, the false church system, the people alongside. What do they do? They keep taking the seed, the word of God, and they keep rewriting it to make it easier to understand. They keep changing it so that you can read it like a dime store newspaper. But we don't understand. It's never supposed to be like that. Yet they are right there saying, here, let me make you an easier to read one. And then what they do is they change the word of God as they give you an easier to read one. They don't just change the word of God. They change the entire person of God because you're supposed to be like a grain that's dying. And when you die, you begin to grow because you're dying to self and reading the word of God. And you're drawing near to God so he'll water you and grow you up to maturity so he can put the sickle in and harvest you. So when we make the Bible, this easy-to-read Bible, we take the Spirit of God out. That's why the Word says, the Bible tells us, there's a form of godliness which denies the power thereof. If you can read it in the natural intellect, you've missed the whole point of it being a spiritual book. You're supposed to dig deeper. You're supposed to draw close. You're supposed to be asking the Spirit of God, what does that mean? Even when he was speaking here, the disciples didn't understand it till they got alone and asking. And then he would help them understand it. It's supposed to divide. It's supposed to separate. It's supposed to, to show the heart and the concern and the desire. Because when you leave this room and you go, I didn't understand the thing he said, so now it's back to my dun 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 dun, dun and my entertainment and my world and my life. You just showed that you had a heart that you let the devil steal the word from you because you didn't investigate to find out what the maniac guy was screaming about. No matter how the, the message is presented, whether it's a calm teacher or a loud teacher, you have to have a personal relationship where you let the Holy Spirit be the teacher. And you have to dig deeper and be equipped 
And you cannot sit around knowing that you have a hard heart by the wayside that lets the devil steal it every time you walk out of the Word of God. You cannot sit around knowing that the world, if it says anything to you, you're not going to stand up and be proud to be a Christian in the world. So you let the world steal it, knowing that your flesh is going to chase every other desire and you're never going to be a heart that's good, that wants to do the will of God. See, that's where we got to be at. Surrender has to be the place we are. That Wait a minute. My heart's bad. I'm chasing entertainment. I'm chasing other desires. My heart is bad. I want to have the good heart, Lord, so I want to draw near to you. And he's the one that brings the good heart. And then when you start obeying the word of God, he grows you to maturity. But if you just keep ignoring it and doing your own thing and going, I didn't understand that, and I don't get in and have a personal relationship with this word, never grow. He's getting ready to show you that. He's getting ready to present that. He's likening it to a parable, a picture. 31. It is like a mustard seed. Really? He gives us all a mustard seed of faith, and it's like a mustard seed, which, when it is sown, that's when it's cast to the heart on the ground, is smaller than all the seeds of the earth. Now, see, many people will stop right there and go, wait a minute. That's not true. There's other seeds that's smaller on the earth. Well, in, th- in that area at that time, no, there wasn't. This was the smallest. Now there is, and we know there's more seeds, but this is the smallest one, and I can trust God for that. But when it is sown, it grows up, becomes greater than all herbs, and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. Now listen, listen, because the mustard seed, the mustard plant, is not a tree, but it becomes like a tree. It actually can get really big, and, and the leaves can be used for food, but the actual thing is a condiment. The actual, it makes mustard. It's, it, it, it's a condiment. But it grows so much. Think about it. You've got to think about what is he saying. It's a parable. It's like an unto. Remember, this all started with Abram. Abr- Abe. Abraham. Abram. Oh, no. The church didn't, did it? No. The kingdom of God did. It's, it's, it's Abram. From what we have in our text, in our Bible, what we know of, you can take it all the way back to the ancient of days. In the beginning was the word. But listen, it all started with you and I. Abraham, that's a pretty small thing. One guy who was obedient. One guy who left, his, left false worship and came out of Ur of Chaldean. And then God made the entire Hebrew nation out of them. And then he made 12 patriarchs. And out of the 12 patriarchs, he took one of the tribes of Judah and he brought them. And then you have the church. And it was a small thing. It was just over in one little area around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus was at preaching. And then it went to all the world. It grew because of what? Light being given and light being taken and handed out. Truth being given and truth being given to others. And it grew into the whole world. It became this big tree and what happened it wasn't listen but many times they say and this is unnatural growth no it's not unnatural it's supposed to be the greatest it's supposed to be the largest the the kingdom of god is the greatest 
And you can't understand all the mysteries. So you don't understand why it's big. The problem here is, is what happens when the kingdom of God shoots out and brings these large branches that, that some people will say is unhealthy growth or abnormal. It's not. The abnormal and unhealthy part that you need to see is that the birds of the air come and lodge under its shadow. The birds are evil. The birds are unbelievers. The birds are satanic. They're antichrist. Because the devil comes into the church. He comes and hides under the shadow. Listen to what the shadow means. Shade is your King James. Shadow is the, or excuse me, New King James. And shadow is the King James. Listen to this. The shade means darkness of air. Darkness of air. Unbelievers and antichrist can come into the church and look like the church. See, when you're growing to maturity, it goes back to the parable of the the wheat and the tares that Jesus gave. When you're growing to maturity as a Christian, wheat and tare looks just alike. They both look just like this. But as they start to grow up, you know what happens? True believers, not those that are camped out as birds. See, the only bird in the Bible that is actually a good bird or represents a good is the dove. That's the Spirit of God. When wheat and tare grow, when, when, when the wheat, true wheat, true grain, true person is being matured, there's, there's, there's going to be some weight in the head, and it begins to humble itself because there's a seed and grain inside that head of wheat. But a tear grows up, looks just like it. They both look just alike. They're camped, and they have air, though, and they just keep growing and standing up taller. But humility and Christ-likeness makes that real fruit bow down, and then you know it's ready for harvest. You know it's ready for the sickle to go in. You know that the harvest has come. You begin to bow down more and surrender more and realize who you are and who God is and you glorify Him and you want to go out and do the will of God. It does not mean that you never sin, you never mess up, you never make mistakes because you're always going to have the flesh. But what He's going to do is put the sickle in and get rid of the flesh and give you an incorruptible body. He's going to take the fruit with Him. And put it in the incorruptible body. He's going to put the fruit in his barns in heaven. He's not going to put your flesh in there. It's going to, it's going to be gone one day. He wants the fruit. And the fruit is Christ-likeness. The fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That grows in the life of a person as they receive light, shine light. They become a witness, and they look to take care of others just like Christ did instead of always self, self, self. Self will be a tear. It will be bad heart. It will not grow. It will not produce 30, 60, 100-fold. It will not produce any fruit at all. It will be in a church forever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, as Second Timothy says. Surrender, commitment, casting, and then yielding. It ripens as you surrender and you commit more and more each day. So there are large branches. It is the greatest. It is the largest. And, and all of this is going on because the kingdom of God is going to be the only kingdom that lasts. But notice birds, unbelievers, and spirit of Antichrist purposely trying to deceive come and they lodge. Where is it? Nest. New King James, Lodge King James. It means to camp down, listen, and haunt. That's one of the things. Haunt is the word to remain. They find their rest in the branches 
and they begin to deceive. But you don't have to let them deceive you. You can stay in the Word of God. 33. And with such... Let me see. 33. I just want to make sure I didn't leave anything out. 33. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. Do you see that? There's the ability. That's the growth. That's the difference in your mature level. If it's a new baby, as he's speaking that parable, you're going to get just that little part. If you're the multitude and you're not even saved and you're on the outskirts, then you're not going to get any of the parable. But he's doing it in a way that you receive as much as you put into it. Remember the measure that you measure, it'll be measured back. If you start digging into it, if you start looking to it, listen, here it is, here it is. If you watch TV 10 hours a day and you read the Bible 10 minutes a day, how much measure are you putting into the Word of God? Think about it. Because you're being fed lies from the world for 10 hours a day and you're getting the truth for 10 minutes a day how are you hearing you see where is your ear at to hear careful how you hear you want to hear truth more than you hear lie it's not that you're not going to hear any lie but you want to hear the truth you want to see the truth you want to meditate on the truth you want to memorize the truth you want to be trying and striving with the power of the holy spirit and the strength of god to live the truth and practice the truth and obey the truth but if all you do is gossip and listen to TV and listen to gossip and listen to lies, you know what? You're going to have a whole lot of issues going on. And you're not going to have any cure for them except for what they lie to you and say, here, put some gasoline on your fire. Here's some help for you. Put this gasoline on your fire. Does that sound like that'll put a fire out? Pouring gasoline on it? That's the world's science. I'm telling you right now, that's the world's science. Pour some gasoline on the fire. Because the problem started with the devil, and then the devil wants to fix it, so he don't want it to go out. He wants to stay in power of your life. He wants to be in control of your life. You can compare it. You can compare it to what's going on in the world today. Where they keep moving the dangling carrot and, and we're never going to be okay. Everybody's dying on the planet. Guess, guess what? Everybody's dying. 100% of people die. Are you going to die because of lies or are you going to die because of truth? It's up to you. You can surrender to God or you can surrender to the lies of this world and die because of their lies. And then you don't get the reward of heaven. Or you can surrender to God because all of us are going to die. He spoke to them the word of God. Notice it's the word of God. He's not just given a parable. And as they were able to hear it, they would receive it. But without a parable, a physical story laid alongside a spiritual truth, he did not speak to them. Parabola, thrown alongside. And when they were alone, he explained all things to his disciples. Notice a disciple. Who's a disciple? A disciple is a learner, one who wants to learn, has a heart to learn. He's got the good heart that's ready to surrender, ready to commit, ready to cast the light that he receives. So what happened? The disciple, you remember John 8, 31 and 32, he says, And Jesus said to those who believed, you are, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. 
if you abide in my word. Not when you abide, if you abide in my word. And abide has the connotations to camp down and live there. It's almost like this word lodge that the evil birds are doing. You, you put your, your, all your eggs in one basket and you abide in God's word knowing it's truth knowing it's there for hope, knowing it's there for your shelter, knowing it's your all in all. He's everything. Then you're his disciples. You're learning. But notice the context. Alone. Alone. Notice it. Notice what he said. As they were able to hear, but then in 34 he says, and when they were alone, he expounded is the King James. When they were alone, it means private or separate, aside from. Then what did he do? Expounded, which means to solve further. He explained. He helped them determine the truth. It's an, again, it's, a, it's some amazing words. I, I look at these words and it starts to blow my brain. How the Greek word, I don't know Greek. I just look at it and... Uh, and the Strong's, it means to solve further. He got alone and they solved further. He explained it. So let me ask you, do you have alone time? Do you uh, hit the alarm clock, jump out of bed, run to work, and then run right to the next thing, run right to the next thing, run to the next thing, all the way until you get back in bed? Because, see, you need your alone time. You need your devotional time. You need time alone with God. Why? Because all of this is going on. And if all you got on is the TV, and all you got on is your work life, and all you got is your desires and your entertainment, and you never get alone with God, how can He help you solve this better? How can He explain it to you? How can He teach you the truth of what's going on? So you have to get alone with Him, quiet time with Him, before disaster happens. What's disaster? All this life that you go out into, and they start yelling, did you wash your hands? Did you put your mask on? They start yelling all these things that are lies at you. They start making you get in their box and run their little rat race and do what they say is good. When we're, This is not our home. We're behind enemy lines. This is not wake, what makes a spiritual person thrive and grow. Ow! I almost fell. One day I will. It'll be on camera. Listen. Listen, you have to get alone with God. It's the most important thing you're going to do. Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christ made that available where you can come to the throne room. You can get alone and you can say, please help me understand what's going on. I don't understand. It means to solve further. See, there's a mystery of the kingdom of God. There's problems in your life. You need wisdom for this and for that. I, what do I do with this? How do I take this information? And you say, Lord, I need to trust you. That's the whole thing that prayer is, is humility where you bow down and you say, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to deal with that. I'm not going to use my strength anymore to deal with that and wear me out. And I'm coming to you, Lord. You be my strength. You solve it for me. You bought me with your blood. You take care of it. And I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to become dependent upon you for life and godliness. See, we lived our life being dependent upon ourselves, And then we weren't dependent upon ourselves. We were dependent upon our parents. We were dependent upon the government. We were dependent upon everything except for 
the one who really knows what's going on and can solve it better for you. The one who really can take and kill your body and cast your soul into hell. He's the one we need to be dependent upon. And we say, ah, I'll take the real problems to him. Listen, there is no problems that are real to him. He doesn't have any problems in the kingdom of God. All he's doing is walking it out to its conclusion that he's already ordained. He didn't have any problems. There's not big and little problems. In God's kingdom, there's souls. And his desire is that all souls would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and would trust him to get them to the other side, which is our very next text. On the same day, verse 35, see, because we're still in the day. Today's the day for salvation. When evening had come, but it's getting dark real dark in this world he said to them let us cross over to the other side listen we're all going to the other side where you spend your time on the other side because it's all spiritual it's going to be spiritual hell or spiritual eternity with god with life one or the other we're all going to the other side listen it's already declared by god this is this is not permanent here this is temporary here we're all going to the other side. You can trust it. You can take it to the bank. He's the good hands people. They've been ministering and ministering. Remember, his, his, his friends and then his family tried to come and get him. He's not eating. He's ministering. He's not eating. He's not doing what normal people do so it doesn't look right and people are freaking out. Listen, you ever heard that as a Christian? Why don't you get a real life? Why don't you do what other people do? Well, listen, we, this is not our home. When you're involved in doing the light, when you're involved in handing out and ministering to people, it does not look like what everybody else is doing. And yet today, culturality, the church looks just like the rest of the world. The only thing we do different is we go to church on Sunday if we decide we want to get there. We've been deceived by the birds of the air that come and flocked in the branches and began to teach us a powerless gospel, a crossless gospel, a gospel that looks just like the world and has a form of godliness, but it denies the power thereof. But we're going to the other side, and I hope we're not deceived when we get there. Because Matthew 7 says that Jesus will say to some, Be away from me, I never knew you. And it's not about who you say you know. It's about does Jesus know you? Not about whether you say you know him according to some false system that we've set up in our heart or in the world. Notice this, 36. Now when they had left the multitude, notice they left the multitude. They took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him. Now notice that. You could read right over that. And I've read right over that for years. And then I go, what does that mean? Now it's just interesting. I don't know what it means. Look what it says there. Took him along in the boat as he was. What's that mean? As he was. I don't go figure it out. They took. It's in there. I looked in the King James. It's in there. They took him along as he was. How was he? Well, see, we're seeing his humanity. He's wore out. 
He's wore out. In the flesh, he is wore out. He's going to be asleep because as he was, he hasn't eaten. He hasn't slept. He's concerned about souls. He's working in the ministry. He's focused on the kingdom of God. Zeal for my father's house has eaten me up. So they had to take him along as he was. Maybe they had to help him into the boat. I don't know because we're going to find him sleeping now. He's so wore out in the flesh, but his spirit is doing the will of God. I think of uh, circuit preachers when I think that so many circuit preachers died in their 20s because all they did was rode their horse from town to town trying to get the gospel out and see if they could win one more soul. And they would get malaria and different diseases and they would die. They would have all kinds of stuff because they wouldn't take the time to even go to a doctor. They would just keep going to the next city and being a circuit preacher and doing what they were called to do. And they touched more lives than we could ever imagine. And they died in their 20s. And all they did was a simple gospel that Jesus saves. Anyway, so they get him into the boat as he was. And there's other little boats because they all can't. There's, there's 70 at least, we know. The multitude has now gone away. That's the huge crowds. And, and, and then there's the, at least 70 that he, we know he had picked. And then there's the 12 maybe all in this same boat with him. And there's other little boats. It's, a, it's called a ship in the King James. It's a fellowship, right? Because we have a kingship. He's a leader, so we have leadership. And then we have fellowship. And if they're living right, you would have warship, which I think should be spelled with an A, W-A-R, because we are at war. It's warship. And that's how you win the war is you worship God. Anyway, I'll get back to that some year. So, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now, you've got to understand this. These are fishermen. Most of these are fishermen. They've been on the Sea of Galilee. They know what it is. They know the storms. They know the waters. They know it can get bad. They, they, they think this storm was huge. This storm wasn't the flu. It was COVID-19. This was a huge storm that nobody understood what was going on. And Jesus was asleep on the boat. Think about that for a minute. We're going through some stuff here. I'm going through some stuff. There's a storm in my house. There's a storm in the boat. Jesus, wake up. He's not asleep. His humanity's asleep. But God never sleeps nor slumbers. He's awake. And sometimes God waits to the last second to come in because he's testing faith. Sometimes God waits to the last second to rescue you, but he always will. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He wants to show you your heart so you can say, Lord, that is my heart. I need help here because that's not the heart you want. You want a good heart that will receive the word of God. And my heart seems to be like this. My heart is like that. My heart is not where you want it to be. And he wants us to see our hearts now, not when we get to the judgment seat. He wants you to have an option to surrender now, to commit now, to cast the light now. He wants it now, so he'll let stuff come in. And I think one of the greatest things, like I was saying, I had a guy ask me at the store over there. He goes, well, Pastor, while you was teaching during this time of lockdown, what seemed to be your theme? I said, the same theme I've always been preaching on, the heart of man. I didn't change my theme. I said, I was blessed, though, that God was already on the throne, and he had me in Mark, which is about the heart. I said, so I was blessed. 
to just be talking about the heart because it's the heart that matters most and we have to keep it with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. So while we were locked down, like I said last week, what was going on in our heart? What did God show you about your heart? Because he's testing us in how we reacted to the storm. Every, there's going to be more storms. What was the 20 storms that were going on in your life? Did you notice that they went away when COVID came? When the big storm came? Nobody's worried about food and getting to the other side. Nobody's worried about anything in that boat. They stopped talking about everything. Because they think that this is like a hurricane. It was a huge storm that even fishermen got scared about. It was so big. But listen, what was it? Was it COVID-19 that we've been lied to about? It's such a big storm. I'm going to be careful because COVID is really out there. But it's not the storm that they said it was. Watch what he says to him. Listen, all of your life's going to be full of storms. How you react to them is the important part. Now, see, here's going to be the big problem. You'll see it in 41. The big problem is, is that in their hearts, they're still trying to decide who this is. 41 says, who can this be? They're still trying to decide. They haven't surrendered. They haven't committed. They haven't begun to cast. They're still in their infancy because they're still saying, who can this be? Are you still saying, who can this be? Or do you know who this is that has got you? Do you know who died for your sins? Do you know what he's done for you? Have you investigated it? Are you searching it out? Are you drawing near? Are you still saying, who can this be? Where's your heart at today, saint? big storm it's in the boat they're filling up they're going to sink it would seem everybody's going to die they said 38 but he was in the stern asleep on a pillow he's resting his head he's even got a pillow listen i like that He's got a pillow. He's not, just, he's not just laying there. He literally is curled up in his humanity with a pillow in the boat. I don't know if you guys get this and see the, the, the comfort that he has and the rest that he has because he knows what's going on. He, he knows what the Father's doing. He knows they're going to go to the other side. He knows they'll make it across. He knew the storm was coming. And he knows the storm that's going to be in your life tomorrow. See, because COVID will end and something else will come. And then something else will come. There's always going to be another storm. It's the way of life. It's testing your heart. It's trying your heart. It's burning out the dross. It's causing you to draw near. It wants to drive you to the cross and to the throne room where he's on a throne of mercy and grace to help in time of need. He wants you to know where your help comes from and to rest in it, to know that he's there. So there's always going to be a storm until the sickle is pushed in and the harvest is come. There's always going to be a whirlwind. But you can rest in the storm. You can have peace in the storm because you know who's in the boat. And he's resting peacefully with a pillow. And they awoke him. Get up! 
and said to him, Master, King James, teacher, do you care, carest, King James, that we are perishing? Listen, have you ever been in that place? Lord, you see what's going on. Do you even care? I'm dying here. I'm dying in debt. I'm dying with COVID. I'm dying. You fill in the blank of your storm. Lord, do you care? Yes, he cares. He cares. He's resting and waiting until he comes and you're ready for your your heart to be changed. You're ready to see the lesson that he's teaching. You're ready to surrender and commit. He is the one that's allowing it, causing it, bringing the testing of your faith because he's going to get you to the other side. He's going to speak the word. Notice what he speaks, the word. That's where you need to be in the word. It's what gives you that peace and that rest. Care if thou not that we're perishing? Now listen, sometimes it feels like it, but you can trust him. He's promised he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Don't look at the world. Don't look at the science. Don't look at the lie. Look at what God has said and trust him. Charis means to be of interest or concern. Perishing is to destroy fully, to lose, to die. This storm was not normal. Listen, that's what they've been telling us about COVID. It's not normal. It's not the normal flu. It's not normal. They were used to being in water. It's not normal. We were used to getting sick. We've all been sick. We've seen people die. We know it's part of life. We were used to getting the flu during the flu season. But this is not normal. What does he say to him? Notice this first. He doesn't speak to them first. He doesn't answer their question. What does he do? He stands up and speaks to the problem, the supposed problem. He stands up and speaks to the storm. 39. Then he arose from his pillow. He probably wasn't real happy. No, he loves to take care of his children. And rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. Last second, we are dying. So listen, listen to me. He's doing two things here. What's he doing? He's revealing their heart, their trust, but he's also revealing who he is to them. So when you're going through a storm, when you're going and learning life's lesson, when you're, when you're saying, where's my heart? He's not just showing you your heart. He's showing you that he can take care of your heart. He's showing you he can change your heart. He's showing you that he can make you like him. Look at the power. This guy gets up out of the boat. He's asleep in his humanity because he's been doing ministry. And he rebuked. It means to censor or admonish. It means to forbid and to straightly charge it. To be peace. To be at silence. To hush. To put muteness upon it. To calm the quiet water, and it became as tranquil water, like a sheet of ice, calmed it. 
Think about it. This is what we do. Listen, I, can, I was thinking about it. I go, how can we get this? Listen, the huge storm of the COVID-19 news is on your TV. Push the mute button. Just push the mute button and quit listening to it. Quit listening to the lie of the storm because if God's in the boat, that's what he did. He spoke to it and he muzzled it. He shut it up. He pushed the divine mute button and that storm instantly stopped. Water instantly calmed. And if he's in your heart and you're in his family, he can do the same thing with any storm, any problem, any health condition, any situation, any whirlwind that's coming. He's got it. He knew it was coming. He's prepared you for it. He's dealing with your heart. The question is, do you know who he is and can you trust him? Let's watch this because I got just a little bit longer as your back hurts and your butt starts to fill it. Hang with me. I want to finish it. He speaks. Look, he speaks. But then he speaks to them. And this is what he would say to you and I in any storm. After he dealt with the problem, he always could have, he always was, he was going to do it. He told him they were going to the other side. He was going to take care of it, but he was waiting for them to do what? Come to him. They came to him. He took care of it. This shows the good heart because their heart was ready. They came to him. Listen, it was their last chance. They came to him. They came boldly to the throne. They said, Teacher, you care us not that we're perishing. And as soon as their heart turned to him, he spoke, stopped the storm, and then he counseled them. He speaks to them. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now, I want you to know that the King James says something different. The King James says, no faith. What does this say? Oh, okay. The Greek says, no faith. You're not trusting in this storm. Listen, the word fearful means faithless. And the problem, again, like I told you, is down in 41 is they said, who can this be? Faith is reliance upon Christ for salvation and a constancy in such profession. See, salvation means deliverance from every storm. There is a great storm against your life, which was death. The wages of sin is death. And you trusted him for that storm. And he delivered you. You believe that. Now there's going to be other small storms until the harvest comes. And we sit around and we go, I can't trust him. I've got to deal with this myself. I've got to do this. And he says, why do you have no faith? 
If I will save you from the biggest storm until you were going to the other side, why will you not believe me for the small storms where I'm just sanctifying you and cleansing you and preparing your heart and changing your heart to trust me and to show you who I am and who you are? We're going to the other side. But notice what happens with this. When you get your eyes fixed on Jesus, when you turn to Him as your help, when you are dependent upon Him in prayer and for your strength and your might because you realize the severity, what happens? What happens? Look at it, 41. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey Him? Notice what happened? Their fear was removed from the storm And it was placed upon God. He allowed the storm to move their heart back to Him and put the fear in the proper place. And that's what He's doing with us. He's going to complete the work He started in us until the day we see Him face to face. But we put our fear, our trust, our confidence in the wrong place. This storm's so big it's going to kill me. No, get it back on Him who's already saved you. Let him turn it around, cry out to him, and fear the one that can cure the body and cast the soul into hell. Put the fear in the right place. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and a sound mind. Christ's perfect love cast out all fear. There's, there, there's no torment in his love. But there's torment and fear of the world. There's torment right now and anxiety and fear with COVID. So you know it's the enemy. Even if it really exists and it's really as bad as it was and you focus on it, your heart can't be focused on God. So COVID becomes the idol. COVID becomes the the move of your worship. And you have to remember that Jesus is in the boat and get your faith back on Him. And listen to me. They're faithless because faith Fear kills faith. Let me say it to you again. Fear kills faith. Well, how do you grow your faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But not just hearing the Word, but believing the Word, trusting the Word, putting your whole life in the Word, committing and surrendering to the Word and beginning to obey it. And it will grow your faith to where you get to a place of maturity where you would say, as they said, where do we go? You have the words of life. Put the sickle in, Lord. Let's go. Harvest has come. Listen to me. Listen to me. True faith is going to be to obey. Notice notice this demonic faith. Who can this be? They really haven't decided yet. The wind and the sea obey him. The only time this has been used in this book thus far is when the demons, the unclean spirits obeyed him. Demonic faith. Now they see that the elements or obeying him the only people that's not obeying and believing him and trusting him and moving when he speaks is his creation that he's given free will to choose so are you going to choose to surrender and commit and cast the lights because this is how your faith is going to grow When he gives you a measure of faith and you share that light with somebody else, it grows your faith because now you've owned it. You're sharing it. You're you're obeying it. When you get equipped and you hear the word of God and you go out and do it, now your faith can grow because you obeyed. 
faith will not grow when you disobey. It will stay a heart that is by the wayside. It will stay a heart that has uh, uh, stony ground underneath it. It will stay a heart that has thorns and thistles in it. It will never grow until you obey, till you go and do what it says. Your faith will not grow. You will not ever receive a good heart until you surrender. Want me to prove that to you? Let's go to Genesis 22, another four hours, and we'll be done. I have to show it to you. The fear of the Lord is obedience. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1, 7. But fools hate instruction or wisdom and instruction that's proverbs 1 7 proverbs 9 10 the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom but what is this in in genesis 22 it's a man that over a period of time learned to have a good heart and obey because he learned the fear of the lord and he didn't fear man anymore this man went down to egypt a couple times and lied he said she's my sister because he feared man. But then after God fulfilled the promise and gave him a son, that son became his idol. And God had to prove that he needs to be first. Watch this. Now it, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. See what he's doing? He's testing his heart. He's testing your heart. Big storms test your heart. This is a big storm. Watch this big storm. If you don't think it's a big storm and somebody's not in jeopardy, that big storm, you've got one son and God's asking you to take that one son and sacrifice him as a burnt offering, that's a storm. That's the biggest storm. But he's got something in his heart that comes before God and God wants to test it. He said, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. We know he's got Ishmael, but God doesn't recognize the work of the flesh. I take Isaac, whom you love, too much maybe, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Now, a burnt offering is uh, fully dedicated to God. It means you're fully dedicated to God. That's what Christ was, was our burnt offering. He fully dedicated his life on the cross. Uh, and he is that full dedication that makes us right and gives us righteousness. On the one mountain of which I shall tell you. He, so he said, go, and I'm not even going to show you till you get there. So Abraham rose early in the morning. He, see, he learned that lesson when he left Ur of Chaldean, and he stopped uh, uh, and waited. And, and, and uh, 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 um, it means dry, I forget, Haran. He stopped in Haran, but this time he learned, and he went straight there. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled the donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and rose and went to the place which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. This represents three days in the grave. This is all about Christ and the cross. And Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey, and the, and the lad and I will go yonder and worship. It should be spelled with an A. That's the first mention of worship in the entire Bible. And we will come back to you. He's learned true worship is sacrifice. True worship is obedience, I mean, not sacrifice. True worship is to obey God. We will come back to you. He spoke and knew that some way God was bringing that son back, even though he was going to offer him. And he spoke because he knew that he was the son of promise. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. Notice there's a father and a son. I'm going fast. I want to get it done. I know you've been here a long time. So the wood, it represents the cross, and it's on the back 
of the Son. The Father's there. He puts the cross on the back of His Son. And He took the fire of judgment in His hand. Fire means judgment. That's why when it burns it out of your life, it's judging it in your life. You confess it, He burns it out. And the knife, the Word of God, is a knife. And the two of them went together. They were there on the cross of Calvary. But he, but Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood. Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? He's pretty wise. He's about 33 years old, I would say. He says, Where is the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself you can mark out four it doesn't need to be there god will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering so the two of them went together then they came to the place of which god had told him so they're obeying and abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order and bound isaac christ was bound with an oath christ was bound to the cross to the will of God. Laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. He's going to be obedient. He's learned that obedience is better uh, than sacrifice. He's learned that obeying God uh, is because is God's going to do what he said he's going to do, and it's always going to turn out better when you obey. But the angel of the Lord, this is a Christ often, this is Christ himself, called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, notice that it's Jesus. He always says twice, listen, listen. So Abraham said, here I am. And he said, do not lay a hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Notice that he tested his heart. And because he gave everything, even his only begotten son, he knew that he feared him. See, our fear is supposed to be placed upon God, never on man. Fear of man produces a stumbling block. It's always going to produce a stumbling block. It's going to stumble you from doing what? From following God. When you fear something else, you give your strength to it. When you fear something else, you give your life to it. You give your power to it. It controls you. Listen, fear is real. Fear is real. You have emotions. You have fear. It can be real. But should you let it control you? Should you let it lead you? Should you let it decide what you do in life? No, the Word of God should. Obedience to God is supposed to be what we, what we follow. We obey the Word. We obey God's Word, not fear. But when somebody lies to you and produces fear and you begin to obey it, it becomes your God. It becomes your idol. It's what's controlling you. It's your strength. It's what you live, move, and be by. And that's supposed to be God. Think about this for a minute. Remember the story of David and Goliath? The whole world is listening to the government, to the king. They're scared to death. They're in fear. They won't go out against the enemy. Here comes one young lad, ruddy-headed boy, 16 years old. Think about it. Who was, he, who was he fearing? He was fearing God. He was listening to God. He was obeying God. And he come and cut his head off. He killed him. He didn't listen to the government. He didn't listen to the world and their false science. Here, put on my armor. Here, do it this way. Put a mask on. Today a mask, tomorrow a mark. They're lying to us. Are you going to fear the government and obey them or fear God and obey Him? Abraham has learned how to fear God and obey Him. 
He said, now I know you fear God. See that? Now I know you fear God. You know, to obey back in the boat, they said, did you see that? Who is this? The wind and the sea obeyed him. It means to subordinate under. And when you obey fear, you subordinate under the fear. When you obey God, you subordinate under his truth. When you obey lying science, you're subordinating underneath the fear. So you have to know what true science looks like. And God says, he's got you. We're going to the other side. I'm going to finish this and we'll close right here. Okay? 13. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in the thickets by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of, in the place of, Christ is our stead. He died in our stead instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide Jehovah Jireh. As it said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Keep going. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time. See, you can't stop. Many times I've read this to you and I've stopped, but there's a second calling out of heaven and said, by myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this, because you were a hearer and a doer. You didn't just hear the word and deceive yourself, but you've done what I ask you to do. By this stain, and you have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore, and the descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. That means you'll win over them. Now listen, listen, he'd already made this promise to him, but he had to bring him to this place in his heart. He was testing his heart all along. He had already made the promise at least twice to Abraham, but now he's confirming it because he appeared a second time. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. Abraham has learned not to fear the world, but to fear God. Abraham has learned to obey God because he is the one who's in control. He's the one that knows how to get you to the other side. He's the one that knows the lies of one world government that would use something like COVID and life and death. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know it. It might be the other plan. And, 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 I, and I risk, this is, this is something that was going on. Notice he didn't speak these things to the multitude. And I've said this so many times, people get mad at me. The message is not for the multitude. Because if you tell the multitude this stuff, they go, oh, they're just conspiracy theorists. They're whack. They're Jesus freaks. That's why you can't just tell everybody certain things. But I don't know if you know it, but the, but the old plan or the new future plan is, has been going on forever. I don't know if you know that back even when Reagan was president, a lot of people worship him, by the way. You've got to be careful. Back when he was president, he said, he said, and you can go find it. He said, talking about aliens and UFOs, which started to spark up again during this time. That if someone came and attacked us from another planet, another world, an alien, it would draw all the nations together to forget about the things that they fight about and to join as one to fight against them to preserve mankind. Now think about that. That was their original plan to try to get us all to come together and fight one enemy. Now it's on COVID. Now it might be another plan that they're still going to use. I don't know, but they want to lie to us. And like I said, I risk being a, a, called a, a crazy conspiratist, but they've always had a plan moving forward. How do we get everybody to focus on one thing? 
and that to become their God. So they're looking at it instead of worshiping God, instead of obeying God, instead of living their life for God and fulfilling the Great Commission. They're all worried about this one thing that consumes them. Just keeping it real, people. When he obeyed, he said, I know you fear him. And now I'm going to pronounce you mature so I can put the sickle in. And it's harvest time, Abraham. You obeyed. And then in 18, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you obeyed my voice. In case you wondered how he feared. Obedience is the fear of the Lord. You obey what you fear. You subordinate yourself under what you fear. That's what it means. When you hear the Word of God, do you hear it to obey it, or do you hear it just to find out what it says? But when you hear it to subordinate yourself under it because you know it's the will of God, then your faith grows, then you grow, and then you go tell others, and you come to maturity. And you have peace and rest because you know that God said we're going to the other side. And it's interesting that 19 says, So Abraham returned to his young men, and they rose and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt in Beersheba. What's interesting about that? You don't even see any mention about Isaac anymore. Because Isaac is a type of Christ who was crucified and rose again, and we're not going to see him again until he comes to get us in the rapture. And when we see him, when he puts that sickle in and he sends the angels to separate the sheep from the goat, which side are you going to be on? Which heart are you? All you have to do is ask him and learn to surrender and obey. Everybody's obeying except for the free will agents. And we choose to follow the true Christ to be led by the Spirit or we can choose to follow a false system that leads us away from God. Make sure you're not being deceived today. That's the first thing Jesus says every time the disciples ask him a crazy question about when's it going to happen. He says, be careful that you're not deceived. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you've opened our eyes to know that the birds of the air are camping out in the church and they're there. They've crept in to deceive us. As Jude says, there's spots in our love feast that that are there without fear, without fear of you. And Lord, we want to fear you. So teach us to obey you and to subordinate under your word and to know that you're in the boat. And even when it seems like you're asleep, You're just testing and training our heart to trust you and have a constancy to obey you even when we don't understand. Thank you, Lord, that you've got this. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to get us to the other side. And thank you, Lord, that even if we wish to perish, we would be with you for eternity, and that is gain. That's the finish line. Thank you, Lord. Pour out your Spirit. We pray for every family that's lost a loved one in these last days. But, Lord, we pray most of all that their hearts would be comforted by you, that they would fear you, that they would know you personally, they would cast their cares upon you, and they would get in the boat with you and not in the other boats alongside. We want you in the fellowship. We want you in the boat. 
We want you there, Lord, so we can cry out to you and awaken you, and you will save us. Thank you for delivering us safely to the other side. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana, 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Who shall